Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Trina. If you're a regular, I hope you know what our, our church uh, mission statement is. Here's what our church mission statement is. Living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. Living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. And in the next uh, three weeks, I want to talk about a topic which I think will actually show whether we really are a church that are living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. And the topic I'm going to talk about is a topic called generosity. Here's a, a, a um, dictionary definition of generosity. Generous, uh, being willing to give money, help, kindness, etc., et especially more than is usual or expected. That's a definition of being generous. It's your, your willingness, your want, if you want, your, your desire to give. Uh, to give of your money, your help, your kindness to, to other people. And it's not just the, the, the mundane giving. It's actually above and beyond. And I want to say tonight that if we love Jesus, if the Spirit of God is at work in us, then we should have a, a spirit of generosity. Because generosity is not a skill or a talent. Generosity is your character. It's your heart. And so who is it that uh, you know who, who is generous? Who, who are the people in your life who, who model to you generosity? I was at a funeral a few years ago. Uh, and these words were uttered in a, in a tribute. It said, uh, Ronald Wilcox could have died a very wealthy man. Ronald Wilcox could have died a, a very wealthy man, but he, but he chose not to. Uh, and in the tributes, I, f I found out that this man, Ronald Wilcox, was actually the guy who had given his money to set up a school of preaching that I had attended. I didn't know that. He was his humble anonymous donor who gave his money so that men and women could be trained to teach the Bible. also found out in the tribute that, that this man had actually given his money to set up a, a kids off the streets program in, in a rough area of London. I didn't know that. This humble, generous servant of God. And I'm thinking, I want to be like that. 
Another man who I know here in Sydney, he is generous. He's a very wealthy man, but it, he's the kind of guy who, you know, you could write a check for $10,000, he wouldn't even bat an eyelid. Uh, but it's not his financial generosity that, that gets me. He's a kind of businessman who flies all over the world. Now, he, I don't know whether he's in New York or Paris or Singapore or London or Jakarta, uh, but when he comes back to Sydney, he, he makes it a priority. He, he set aside his time to mentor young Christian businessmen. So, so he flies into Sydney and comes back from the airport at six in the morning and, and, and he, he books in young Christian businessmen to actually sit and have breakfast with. A, and he talks about his faith and he shares Jesus and he encourages them to be a Christian in the workplace. I, I'm guessing he would sometimes like to go for a run or a swim or just have a nice coffee, but he's generous with the time that he's got to serve other people. And I'm thinking, I want to be like that as well. As a woman at this church who has got the gift or the talent of, of graphic design, and she gives and gives and gives of that talent and of her time uh, so that we can produce resources. Not just at this church, actually. She gives to other churches and other mission organizations. And that's a woman who has understood generosity. There's an anthropologist, uh, Robert Lenski, I think his name is, and he was asked... Uh, what is the difference between men and apes? And he said, oh, that's simple. Humanity has the capacity for generosity. Humanity has the capacity for generosity. You see, we're created in the image of God. And our God is a generous God. He gives willingly. He gives generously. He lavishes his his love and his kindness and his help upon us. And each one of us has that capacity to, to show generosity to, uh, towards other people. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different topics. Talents, time, and money. Uh, and see how we're to use what God has given us generously for, for the good of others. We're going to do that by uh, sharing uh, scripture. Everything we say must be rooted in the word of God, but also sharing stories. So each week I'll, I'll interview different people. I'm doing that because I'm, I'm aware that the personal story it actually can be much more memorable and more powerful sometimes than, than the sermon. To see how the word of God has actually changed real people. Now, we don't want to hear stories about the you know, the super-Christians. We want to hear stories of ordinary people showing extraordinary generosity. Uh, before we dive in with the motivation, let me also say that uh, as I speak to a room like this, we've all got different capacities. That's true, isn't it? We've got different capacities. We've got different energy levels. We, we need different amounts of sleep. We have different intellectual capacities. We're all different it's not one size fits all. Different circumstances. I'm, I'm talking to you know, the 19-year-old students who have got so much time on their hands, but even though they, they complain about having five lectures a week. Uh, and I'm also talking to the person who is you know, a, a young mum with a, a young baby who is doing sleepless nights. Different, different circumstances. I'm talking to the men who are trying to get back from the city 
just in time to see their kids before they go to bed or to love their wives well and juggling jobs and juggling church. And, and I'm also talking to the person who is you know, retired or semi-retired. We're all different, so please don't compare yourself to other people. Think about how this applies to you personally. And we have different consciences as well. As I preach on a topic like this, there'll be some people sitting here tonight who are already incredibly generous with their time and talents and money. And my fear is that you'll hear this sermon and just think, oh, Paul's asking me to do more and to give more, and I can't, just can't do it. And there are other people who are far from generous. And you won't hear this sermon at all. You'll walk out the door and you'll have heard nothing. But the comfort for me is actually it's not my job to persuade you. It's the Spirit of God who actually pricks our consciences and teaches us and transforms us. So what's our first motivation for generosity? Why should you be generous? Here it is. Your generosity must flow from God's grace. Your generosity will flow from having that personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so when, you've, when you've met Jesus and when you've understood how generous God has been to you, when you've understood that, that Jesus left the luxuries of heaven and stepped into our world, uh, that Jesus humbled himself and went to a cross for you, when you've understood that, that God doesn't treat you as your sins deserve, when you understood that God has been so gracious to you in forgiving you and restoring you and redeeming you and buying you back and promising you eternal life, when you've understood the grace of God, that will radically change your heart. There is a stark difference between what I call guilt-driven generosity and grace-driven generosity. The guilt-driven generosity is when you get put on a roster and you feel obliged to serve or obliged to give because it's, it's, it's kind of a, a duty or an expectation. But there's no joy in that. And the grace-driven driven generosity is when you think, I, I want to do this because I love Jesus and he's given me so much. And I reckon Zacchaeus is an example of grace driven generosity. Come back to Luke 19. Meet this man called Zacchaeus. We're told in verse 2 that th he's, there's a man by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector. So he is wealthy because he's cheated people out of their money. He's living richly off other people's money. Verse 3, he, he wanted to see who Jesus was. So he's the kind of guy who, who might sign up for Christianity Explored. He's interested in Jesus. He's got a problem. He can't help it, but he's very short. And, and so he runs ahead, and he finds a tree. There's a short, stocky, squatty, wide-branched tree called a sycamore fig tree. And he climbs that tree because he wants to see Jesus. But verse 5 Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but actually it's Jesus who seeks out Zacchaeus. Because when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And he calls Zacchaeus by name and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And Jesus is inviting himself into 
Zacchaeus' home. He wants to eat with him. And Zacchaeus came down gladly and welcomed Jesus gladly. And so Zacchaeus met Jesus. Now how do you know he's really met Jesus? The evidence is there in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. There's that radical change of heart. It's not my money. I want to give it. And when Zacchaeus has met Jesus, he understands that everything he's got is being given graciously and generously by God. It doesn't belong to him, it belongs to God. And so he gives it back. And that's a sign of somebody who's understood grace. That radical, extraordinary generosity that just flows out of them. There's a phrase in in, in 2 Corinthians 8 that Paul uses to describe the Macedonian church. They're a model of generosity. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, he says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. And that phrase is just so important to understand. That this church, these people, they'd understood the grace of God shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'd given their hearts to Jesus. They'd given themselves to Jesus first. And once they've done that, then the generosity just flows out of them. And this is perhaps the most important thing I'll say tonight. That, that God doesn't want your generosity if he hasn't got your heart. God does not want your time if he hasn't got your heart. He doesn't want your talents if he hasn't got your heart. He doesn't want your money if he hasn't got your heart. If your generosity is just this guilt-driven, duty-bound generosity, then you will be listening to this sermon saying, come on, Paul, tell me how much money I must give to this church and how much time you want of me and which roster you want me to be on and just tell me what I must do. But, but a grace-driven generosity is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. Just love Jesus. But a grace-driven generosity will say, hey, I, I get to give and I, I get to serve and, and I want to use these gifts and I want to give my time because I love Jesus. And maybe that's the most important thing that you're going to hear tonight, that God just wants your heart. There's a beautiful example of, I think, generosity shown this t- about this time last year. You know when you fill in those forms for, for Connect Group sign-ups? And this will have all these forms on a desk, and it will say things like, I must be in this group, and I must have two married couples, and I must have these three people in my group. A- and last year, there was one form that just warmed my heart. Uh, this woman who was uh, ma- about to get married, actually, she wrote this. Paul, happy to be put into any group where I can be of best service to other people. Happy to be put into any group where I can be of best service to other people. And I reckon that's a woman who actually is understood with generosity. It's about other people, not about self. So when I talk about generosity, we're about to talk about talents or or gifts. Get this motivation right. It is grace-driven. It's not duty-driven or guilt-driven generosity.
took the, the, the topic of, of talents or gifts. I'm going to ask Viv, who's sitting right at the back at the sound desk, to come forward. I'm going to interview her about the topic of her talents or her, or her gifts. So do you want to grab this microphone? And there's no one on the sound desk now, so hopefully it will work. This is Viv. Viv is married to, to Rob. You've been married for almost a year. Was it over a year? A year, yeah. A year. Um, if someone were to say to you, Viv, um, what are your talents or your gifts or your abilities? What, what would you say? And how, would you, how have you discerned what those, those gifts are? Um, I think I would find it a, a difficult question to answer, actually. Uh, I tend to be the sort of person who um, isn't really sure about what I'm good at. Um, but I think over the years, um, having a better grasp of God's word has helped me to understand that um, that's just a, a lazy excuse not to serve uh, and that it's ridiculous that um, God has constructed his church in such a way that everyone has a gift that's useful um, and no one's dispensable. Um, so I think I look to what I do outside church and what I enjoy, what I'm passionate about. Uh, I work with young people uh, in a theatrical society uh, and that's a great uh, joy and something that I am very passionate about. Mm. Um, I think also in terms of discerning what your talents are, um, God uses other people to, to show you what you're good at uh, and oftentimes it's been the kindness of other people uh, tapping me on the shoulder and saying, did you know you're really good at this or did you know that uh, I was really encouraged by you doing this? So, so here at Church by the Bridge, just share some of the ways that you use your talents. Um, so I've been serving on the sound desk uh, for a few years, uh, which has been a great joy. Um, and I'm also serving uh, in the morning at Kids Church, um, which is great because I get to uh, put my passion for working with kids into action. Cool. And what are some of the joys you've experienced in using your talents? Uh, I think there are so many joys. Um, I was just thinking tonight uh, how great it is to sit up the back of the church and hear the whole church singing together, united. Um, that's a great joy. Uh, and serving in kids' church, I think um, there are an incredible godly group of uh, Christians who serve, I serve alongside at kids' church, and that's been a great encouragement to me, I think. Thanks so much for serving me. We're going to look at talents. So, do you want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4? And I'll ask uh, Susanna to come and read Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 30. And that's page 828. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Microphone. Is that working? Great. Um, think about our talents. 
So you've heard the motivation. Make sure that your generosity flows from grace. Please don't leave here thinking duty or guilt. So, so what would God's word say about using your gifts? Here's the exhortation. Use your God-given gifts generously for the good of others. Use your God-given gifts generously, not for yourself, but for the good of others and building for God's church. Let me try and illustrate with an example. It's a, I'm not sure whether this story is true, but there's uh, three men working on a building site, and uh, a man walks past and says, what are you doing? And the first man says, oh, we're just hanging around breaking a few stones. And the second man says, oh, we're stonemasons and we're building this amazing cathedral. And the third man says, oh, we're stonemasons and we're part of this team and we're building this cathedral together. And I think that's an example of, of what God's word says about using your gifts. So you need to know that you're not just breaking stones. You actually, you've got a gift, you're, you're called a stonemason and you're not doing it by yourself. You're not building this cathedral alone. You need other people. But the third man is right, you know, he's got a gift, he's a stonemason, but he's part of a bigger team. And together, as they work together, they're building a church. And that's what the Bible says. It says, use your God-given gifts. See that in verse 7? To each one of us, God's grace, God's undeserved, God, God's ill-deserved favor has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, it's a quote from Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts, talents, skills to men. And what Paul is saying here is that, that if you're a Christian, if you, if you belong to Christ, if you've uh, submitted your life to Jesus, you've got the Spirit living in you, and you've been given a gift. And we're not all the same. We're, we're actually different. In every church, there's this diversity of different skills, different gifts, different talents. We're, we're not all guitarists. We're not all singers. We're not all good at administration. We're all different. But to each one of us, a gift has been given. There's no one here tonight who can say, oh, I haven't got any gifts. If you've got the Spirit of God, you've got a gift. And this church, we have this whole range of gifts, you know, administration, evangelism, hospitality, leadership, music ministry, kids ministry, pastoring, discipling, writing, teaching. And, and please don't sit here and say, oh, Paul, I, I just don't know what my gifts are. How do you discern what your gifts are? I think this has been very helpful tonight. Talk to the people who know you best. They're the ones who spot what you're good at. So my wife, Rachel, she'll never get up the front of church and, and lead a service. She hates being up front, but she's excellent at, at welcoming the new person and opening our home and showing hospitality and just sitting down one-on-one -on -one with people. That's her gifts. Talk to people who know you best and say, hey, what am I good at? What do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? But look at that phrase in verse seven it's so comforting to each one of us grace has been given as christ apportioned it that's the word apportioned or, or measured it and i think what he's saying there is that 
is that Christ has given different people different measures of gifts, both in quality and in quantity. And that is so comforting because it stops you from comparing yourself with other people. Let me show you. So, so imagine there are two people in, in this congregation and they both have a gift of singing. That's a gift that I don't have, but other people do have. And they're both good at it. But one is just exceptional. Now, now rather than resenting it or being jealous of the exceptional quality of that voice, you're supposed to say, praise God that Christ has apportioned that person with that quality of gift. Well, you know how in some churches there are people who, who just seem to have this plethora of gifts. You know, they can sing and they can teach and they can welcome and they can do administration and they seem to do everything. And rather than resenting it or, or comparing yourself to them and feeling inferior, you're supposed to say, thank you God for the gift you've given me and praise God for the gifts you've given that person. We're all different. I find that totally liberating. But whatever gift you've got, make sure you're using it for the good of others. In verse 11, it, it was he, the risen, ascended Christ, who gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Not all, just a few. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. And the word there is literally ministry. To prepare the church for ministry. Don't you love that phrase? It's saying that if, you, if you've got the Spirit of God in you, if you're a Christian, you have a gift. And if you have a gift, you're actually a minister. Everybody here is a minister. We've got different gifts, different skills to be used for the service of God. And my job as a pastor teacher is not to do all the ministry. My job, verse 12, is to prepare, to equip, to empower, to encourage the body, the people, you guys, to use whatever you gifts you've got for works of service. And we don't do that by running courses. We don't put on you know, a how-to-evangelize course and a how-to-do-one-to-one discipleship course. The way that you're prepared to do works of service is what? That you love God better, you, lo- you know the word of God better, you love Christ better, and your character becomes more like God, and you want to serve a- out of a joy, not a, not a duty. Now, what's the goal? If each one of us are being equipped for works of service, verse 12, so that the body of Christ, that's the church, both, both here in Kirribilli and also the global church, Christians throughout the world may be built up, edified. And the goal is that we all reach unity, a oneness in faith and a oneness in the knowledge of Jesus and we become mature. What's the sign of a mature church? That we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are more and more like Christ. We know who Christ is and we behave like him. And let me say that this church cannot grow in maturity unless each one of us are using our God-given gifts for the good of others and the growing of God's church. See, God has placed you in this particular church at this particular time of your life with your particular skills and talents and gifts, and he's calling you to use them. 
for the good of others and the building up of his church. Isn't that lovely? We need each other. I need you. You need me. Because we're in this together with our talents to make people more like Christ. Let me walk you through it. And before you came to church tonight, there are people who have been here since three this afternoon putting out cords, sitting at the sound desk so that you and I can actually hear the sermon and praise God together. People rehearsing so that we can actually sing uh, the same songs with, with the right rhythm, the right beats. The, the musicians who serve us so humbly and selflessly. People folding newsletters ready to, to hand out. People vacuuming carpets. There will be people here preparing supper. There will be people here tonight vacuuming this carpet again so it's ready for church ne next week. People coming into the, the office midweek to do IT stuff or to do admin stuff. There will be people serving on kids' church. There will be people cleaning the hall. All these people serving in different ways. Why are they doing that? Not so that they can feel good, so that we, together, might know Christ better. That's that humble, other person-centered way of using your talents. Do you remember the, um, the parable of the talents that, that Jesus told? It's in Matthew 25. He tells a story of, of a master who's leaving a country, and he... he, he, he he gives his servants different talents. To one person, five talents. To one person, two talents. To another person, just one talent. And he comes back and he asks how those talents have been used. And the one with five talents says, our, our master, I've got five more talents. He says, oh, oh, well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. And the one with two talents, oh, I've got two more talents. Oh, oh, well done. And this man with one talent, he comes up to the master, he says, oh, I was a bit scared of you, so I, I did nothing with it. And the master says, you wicked, lazy servant. And it's not about how many talents you've got. It's about how you've invested and used those talents. And to get to the last day and to say to God, yeah, I knew I had the gift of administration, but I just couldn't be bothered to use it. I knew I had the gift of music, but you know, I actually preferred to have a coffee with a friend on a Sunday afternoon than rehearse. And I, and I knew I had a good gift of teaching, but I was just a bit tired, so I decided not to use it. That would be tragic. God's gifted us in, in extraordinary ways. So, so why don't people serve? Why don't people use their talents the good of others. Maybe it's because you genuinely do not know what your talents are. Can I encourage you to find out? Maybe you don't know how you can use them. Come and chat to me. Come and chat to, to Ed or to, to Haley. Look on the website of all these opportunities to serve. Maybe you're waiting to be asked. Don't wait to be asked. Put your hand up. Or maybe... Maybe we are actually a bit selfish. And we're always asking the question, eh, if I signed up to do community lunches, how would that benefit me? Uh, if I signed up to do kids' church, how would that benefit me? And it's that me, me, me attitude. Don't mishear me. I, I do not want to fill rosters. and I don't want people just to serve out of obligation. I want to serve people to serve out of joy and out of grace. And so our vision here at Church by the Bridge for 2012 is really quite simple. We want you to commit 
to serve in, in one way here on a Sunday night. Read the Bible, pray, greet people, prepare communion, count the money. Just one way. And then serve in, in one way outside of a Sunday. Do a community lunch once a month. Uh, go and serve down at James Milson. Uh, do kids church. Uh, do music. Whatever it is, whatever your talent is, just, just one way in 2012 that you can say, yeah, that's how I want to use my talent this year. Napoleon apparently looked at a, a map of China. Napoleon looked at a map of China and he said this. There lies a sleeping giant. And if it awakens, it will shake the world. And, and friends, I look at a church by the bridge and I do say there lies a sleeping giant. Because God has gifted us in extraordinary ways. The amount of skills and talents in this church. And if we awakened, we could shake Kiribati and we could shake Sydney and we could shake the world. Uh, my vision for Church by the Bridge is to ha have a school of Christian counselling <laughs> where the hurting and the depressed and the lonely can come and be counselled and they can meet Jesus. And my vision is to have community lunches every Sunday of the month, not just one Sunday of the month, where people come and we feed them and we talk to them and we share Christ with them. And my vision is to send out 20 people onto the mission field because we have the skills, we have the talents to do that. My vision is to, to record a CD with our amazing musicians and, and to send that CD to, to other churches as other resources and we could just preach the gospel through our music. My vision is to have twice as many Bible study groups where people are just craving to, to be fed the Word of God. And we've got the talent, we've got the skills to do that. My vision is to, to run playtime five times a week because we've, we've got the skills to do that so that people can hear the gospel. My vision is to ha have a building that is fully utilized. Whatever your talent is, whatever your gift is, use it for the glory of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see a church where the, the people are just flocking through the doors because they want to know Jesus. And they're seeing a community of people using their talents to serve other people and to grow God's church. We're a sleeping giant. And my prayer is that we might awaken. What's the, what's the one way, just one way that you might use your God-given gift this year for the good of others and the building of his church. Let me pray. Father, you have been so, so generous to us. Father, thank you for lavishing us with so much. Thank you for your steadfast love, your loving kindness. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I pray that you would grow in us that, that spirit of generosity. 
Lord, help us to serve you and to serve others with all the skills and all the talents you've given us. Rid us of pride, rid us of selfishness. Help us to serve others because we love you. I ask that for Jesus' sake.